Welcome into an Inside Carolina live reaction show. Shout out to the folks filling into the room. Shout out to Greg Barnes and Sherelle McMillan. Barnes, I'll start with you since Sorrell's uh, fixing his technical stuff. Armando Baycott returns for another season. It's funny, I heard Drew Timmy had the opportunity to come back, and I said, good Lord, he's been there forever. Same class as Armando Baycott. We'll see what Timmy does. Baycott elects to come back. What's your thought? Well, that's like uh, Kihei Clark, right? Uh, everybody talking about how long he was at Virginia, and yet he's younger than Leaky Black. So, uh Number one, I think that kind of shows you that while some people have issues with the whole COVID year, North Carolina has uh, greatly benefited, uh, whether it's Brady and uh, Nance and, and Leakey, of course, and now Armando. Uh, it's been a good thing for the Carolina program. Uh, but look, anytime you can get somebody back of Armando's stature, uh, you you happily welcome him back. I mean, this is a, this is a guy who was – Running up to ACC Player of the Year last year. Uh, he was third in line for ACC Player of the Year this year. He was preseason ACC Player of the Year, All-America type. Um, he's one of the best rebounders in, in ACC history. We know about the success that he had uh, last year with all the double-doubles. And uh, he's a good ambassador for the program. And I think just the fact that he's willing to come back, um, you know, he, he – he may have been limited in terms of what, what he could have done otherwise, uh, but he's such a cornerstone piece for, for this program. When you got somebody of that talent, uh, of, of that uh, ability to kind of work around, you're going to be in really good shape. And so I think that's a, a home run for Hubert Davis in trying to construct this uh, 2023 or 2022. Well, I'm getting my years mixed up. 2023, 2024. Uh, roster set up to, to, to be able to compete once again. Somebody in the chat said, welcome to 97. I guess that was my fancy countdown I threw up there. But Sherelle, it <laughs> does feel like 2022. Uh, you know, Mondo Baycott has announced his return to North Carolina. Um, you, your take on what Greg had to say about the importance of, of having a guy like that coming back. I mean, that's a pretty big recruiting hit for Hubert Davis. Yeah, I, it's weird because there's been kind of uh, this thought process in the fan base that, well, maybe it's time to move on and, and maybe you need to let some of uh, the younger guys who are left uh, play some. And it's like, this is a, you know, a first team all ACC, you know, each of the last two years, a third team all American each of the last two years. The As Greg said, leader, all-time leader in double doubles and all-time leading rebounder. You can't go find that in the portal. You can find a lot, but you can't find that. And especially one who's been, to Greg's point, such a great ambassador for UNC for so long. It's funny because I remember uh, Hunter Dickinson, the center at Michigan. Uh, we interviewed him because UNC had offered him, you know, in high school. And he was like, yeah, they're telling me that, you know, Armando wants to be one and done. And so that's why they're kind of looking at me. And it's like, here we are <laughs> four years later. And both of those guys could be in college next season. Um, so to Greg's point, it just shows the how things have changed. Um, folks who didn't like NIL, this is a good thing, uh, I think, for UNC. 
I, I would venture to say that without NIL, Armando Baycott would not be coming back this season to use his COVID year. Um, so you have to look at everything as a whole and say, you know, North Carolina checked the box as far as getting Baycott back. Um, and, and that's kind of the start of, of a positive postseason because it, it, they have, it has been a quite a, a, a 10 days for them. So this is maybe the, the start of the positive momentum. Absolutely. Uh, you, you mentioned NIL. I'd venture that those guys weren't back last year if there wasn't NIL. So it certainly has its positives. I think North Carolina has benefited a great deal from the NIL deal. But Sherelle, sort of break down the process here a little bit. Um, of course, it, it, folks listening know I'm going to say Johnny T-shirt and JohnnyT-shirt.com and the 10% discount you get from being an inside Carolina premium subscriber. Um, and, and this last 10 days is worth its weight in gold from Sherelle's scoop and all that going on on the boards, but sort of give us a 10,000 foot view of Baycott's decision to come back um, and the process getting to today, March 22nd, it being announced. Well, honestly, you know, we'd heard probably four or five weeks ago that this was the likely outcome. Um, and there were, I think, a variety of factors when it comes to that. We, we talked about NIL, but also the way the season ended. I think um, if you looked at his interview after the Virginia game, a lot of folks thought, man, maybe that's it because this guy looks tired. And I think more so than anything was that he didn't really want to go out that way. So when you combine the fact that, you know, we can be honest, he's, he's not really an NBA prospect at this point. So combine that with uh, the ability to uh, make money from his name, image and likeness with the way the season ended. And I think this was a, a natural result, you know, after, Season ended, uh, a lot of guys, it was spring break, so a lot of players went away to kind of just get away from everything because they've been in a grind <laughs> really since uh, late September with maybe a few days here or there away from basketball. So um, just to reset, retool, rethink, you know, meditate, do whatever they need to do. They came back this week and he, uh, Baycott had his meeting with Armando Baycott. Excuse me, Hubert Davis had his meeting with Armando Baycott I believe on Monday, and that's when the, the final decision was made and uh, announced today. You got to love when you got to block somebody using your name, Sherelle. I'll, I'll listen to you talk every day. And by the way, that's not my screen name in YouTube. So you're blocked. Greg, to the point Sherelle made about uh, being not wanting to go out that way. I mean, he's spoken to. Um, you know, his love for the university, he said, I die for this university, all that stuff. You know, that's a big deal to make a lot of money to come back, but also to not go out in one of the worst ways, worst seasons we've seen for Carolina basketball for a guy like Baycott, right? Yeah, for sure. And I kind of go back to Roy Williams. If you listen to his retirement press conference, one of the things that he said was uh, the 2020 year was not going to be his last year's head coach. He was not going to retire that year because of how poorly it went. You know, that, that team, even though there was not an NCAA tournament, that team was not going to get an invite. They were not going to get an invite to the NIT either. Uh, and so that was not an option. And that's, you know, that kind of resonates with what Armando has talked about. Um, and I think that's important because they had such high hopes for, for last year. And, and the weird thing about last year is, we've talked about this before, is that by the time the team got to Portland, I think we all kind of had an idea that, all right, it's almost like they're just slogging along and it never really got better. 
Um, so I'm curious to see you know, next year if, if Armando is able to build off that as a team leader to be like, look, guys, we had a great run two years ago. We were 20 minutes away from the national title, and we just kind of stuck it in the mud the following year. Let's not do that again. Let's be better than that. Uh, and I think with him, uh, his stature, both physically and just his presence overall in terms of you know, what he's accomplished and what he means to the program, I think he's a guy that can be that leader to say, we are not going down that road again. We are going to be better. Uh, and you, you learn from shared experiences. and You learn from hard times. And that's what this past year was. And so I think he really has the opportunity to kind of cement himself as this grand Tar Heel player uh, with, with how things play out next year. Because, look, as, as we've seen this week, uh, there's going to be a lot of new faces in, in Chapel Hill. So you need a guy like Armando to kind of pull everybody together. Sherelle, uh, last year sort of Baycott coming back and the guys filtering back, it was sort of a building process. One comes back, they all decide to come back. I think it's a little different this year. Can you sort of speak to – we know Puff Johnson, and I'll freely admit, I was a little surprised Puff Johnson decided to leave, but I can't blame him at all. Guys want to play. Um, but you also have to stay healthy to be able to play, and that was an issue for him. But as far as a domino effect, Sherelle, is there anything like that going to happen with this situation? A lot of people still asking about Caleb Love. Um, R.J. Davis's decision officially is still out there. So, so what's that process going to be like? You think over the next, you know, however many days? I think the dominoes are more likely to fall from the transfer portal than they are from uh, the current UNC team, and that's just because, as you see right now. So, obviously, McCoy, uh, Nickel, Styles, and Johnson have all gone. It's interesting; those are all the same position, uh, essentially. Um, so they're all gone. So that's that's four scholarships, you know, that have become open that they didn't expect because Leaky and Nancy scholarships are covered by the high school players, uh, Simeon Wilcher and Zay and High coming in. So they have four open spots. And you would think, um, you know, if R.J. Davis were to return or Caleb Love were to return along with Baycott, that it I don't want to say it'd be easy, but guys would want to play with experienced um well-known players who have, you know, shown they can compete and play at the highest level, you know, in the final four in a national championship game. So I think that would be very attractive. And in my personal opinion, I think Baycott maybe wanted to wait a little bit longer to announce this. I think with the way the week has gone um, that they needed similar to what Drake may did, they needed to show, okay, he's, he's coming back so that um, the guys in the portal knew that. And so now that Carolina can go out and recruit and say, Hey, we've got to, you know, who else can say they have a third-team All-American big uh, consecutive years, first-team All-ACC big coming back uh, in the middle. So I think that is where you see kind of the domino effect more so um, than on the current team. And plus, as we all know, Baycott has a big personality, and he's pretty well-liked, and there are a lot of players who would want to, you know, play with someone like that. Yeah, he's already been recruiting. Go ahead, Greg. Yeah, Rel, uh, not sure how much you can speak to this, so so – be as honest you, as you can be in terms of uh, protecting uh, sources and all that. Do we have any kind of understanding at this point in time uh, what has led to the departures? And what I mean by that is, is this uh, player saying, hey, it's a playing time issue, I need to move on? Or is this the coaching staff saying, uh, you, we, have, we have some things in mind, uh, this is what we expect from the position, 
and maybe there was a little bit of a parting of a ways from that standpoint. Yeah, I think um, most of these have been the latter. I think we talked about um, introspection and uh, self-awareness and tough conversations. I think it was after the Virginia game. We talked about that, which turned out to be their last game. And I think all that has happened here over the last 12 days. And I think as a result of those conversations, you're seeing who's making moves and who isn't. So I think you can kind of glean from that kind of um, what those conversations entailed. Okay. And I want to remind our, our listeners, if you haven't followed along with the football side of things, uh, there is a, a direct parallel here. And Mac Brown, who is a Hall of Fame head coach, so he can speak openly about this probably a little bit easier than Hubert can. Uh, he's been very clear, whether it be in the summer, uh, they even do it during an open week in the season. Well, they will talk with the players and make it abundantly clear that, hey, these are our expectations. This is what we think you can provide. This is what you're providing. We need to know what you think, just so everybody knows what the playing field looks like. So nobody's surprised. Um, and if players you know, don't fit and it just doesn't work out anymore, well, those are the guys that, that leave. And it's a very common thing in, in football. Uh, and Max talked about, especially with the portal opening up and NIL as well, uh, it's even more so now. But you're looking at, you know, for North Carolina, I don't know what the final number was, but like 15 to 20 uh, players leaving. I mean, that's, that's a massive amount of attrition, you know, 20, 25%. And it's commonplace on the football side of things. We've never really seen it in basketball especially at North Carolina. But again, the portal's been open a couple years. NIL just got started. Uh, not that this is the new norm, but when there's going to be so much action in the portal in, in terms of roster building, uh, maybe don't be so surprised and, and maybe understand that this is part of the process moving forward. What, what, what Tommy, and uh, people are going to get upset with me because I'm about to say this, but what <laughs> interests me is that you know, I think we, I include myself, uh, the, the fan base, people who cover the team, wh what have we talked about for like five months? That this was not a good basketball team and there needed to be changes and there need to be introspection and all that. Well, this is what that looks like. And it's kind of, I want to call it the dirty side of things, but it, it's reality. That's where college sports are now and that you have to have these conversations because everybody essentially is a free agent. And so <laughs> you have to, Recruit your guys, and then if you want to keep them, you have to re-recruit them. If you don't want to keep them, you have to uh, massage it in a way such that it doesn't hurt you in future recruitments. And then you have to always be looking at the portal. You know, in, in the NFL, they have uh, what's called the pro scouting department. And their job is completely to look at other teams and find players that they may like just in case they become a free agent, if they're released or whatever. We're not quite there in college basketball, but we're not far away either because you have to do that because, as Hebrew Davis has said, this is speed dating, and it moves most of the time very, very quickly once players enter the portal. You know, half of them, once they enter the portal, already have a destination in mind, but that's a completely different story. Um, so these, these are the necessary steps. If you want a team that didn't uh, perform well, you know, you have to kind of change some of the parts and – uh, Heber Davis has to more mold it in his own image, and um, I think that's that's what's happening now. Yeah, and as the as the fan base kind of works through this process, and, and you got 
You have people uh, blaming Hubert Davis. You have people uh, protecting Hubert. And one of the things that I've, I've had some conversations with people on the boards about lately is this whole idea that you know, at the end of the day, how North Carolina performs is on Hubert Davis. It's not on the players at all. I mean, Hubert and his staff are making millions of dollars. The players are not. The coaching staff decides who actually plays. And so the idea that it's the players who are to blame here in terms of how the season goes, it doesn't work that way. It's, it's, on, it's on the coaching staff. So what that means is it's on the coaching staff to field a product that is successful. And as Rel just said, if you go through a season like Carolina just had and you see that it's not working the way you want it to work, get players in that'll do it. Change the roster. Now, you do. You have to be careful with how you do it because you don't want it to blow back on you on the recruiting trail. And that's what Max talked about. You have to be very open and honest with these kids. And look, you know, if we go through this the, the right way, we're going to help you find somewhere else to play. We're going to be your advocate. Just because it didn't work out here doesn't mean we're going to leave you high and dry. So there's a way to kind of work through that that's not harsh. Uh but that's what this is about. Hubert Davis understands things have to get better. And if he doesn't have the guys on his team that he thinks can make that happen, he's got to get other guys on roster that can make that happen. It's that simple. Sherelle, let me ask you um, real quick before I take a couple questions from the chat and from the message boards. Um, we sort of hit on it the other day. This is this kind of been flipped, right? They had a good, well, they had a season last year and made a strong run, and then this is the transition season, if we want to call that. Um, folks forget, and folks are talking about in the chat, you know, why did they recruit these players that aren't playing and all this and that, and that aren't any good or whatever? Well, it's a new coaching staff too, and it's a new style of play and all that, so fit and all that kind of thing. But as far as transitioning. I think the transfer portal for Hubert Davis and for college basketball, especially new coaches, it'll be the same with Rick Pitino. The transfer portal is huge for them. Is huge can make can make or break a new coach or, or a new coach with a new team. And I think that's what we're seeing here. That's one I want you to comment. And two, somebody on the he who wears Carolina blue on the message board said why isn't he taking his time? But then why hasn't he already gotten the commitments? I think he's he's joking there, but this is a speed dating process, but they also have to do their due diligence, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, I grew up in a military family and our, you know, the military motto is hurry up and wait. Um, so that's pretty much what this is, is that you contact these guys, um, you talk to them, you have meetings with them, but you're always looking to see who else might be in the portal because there, there could be somebody better. And that's why this whole thing is kind of like, a, it's it's very messy and, and it's hard, I think, to do and, and to manage. And um, some of the, the coaches who have mastered it, you're, you're seeing them succeed. I, I think about uh, Eric Musselman down at Arkansas has mastered the portal. Um, the coach at Alabama, uh, he's done pretty well in the portal, even if he's pretty poor at a lot of other things. Um, so for Hebrew Davis, I, I think they've identified it. Let me take a step back. Um, I know people will say, well, this player, you know, was a bust or this player X was a bust or player Y was a bust. I think the better way to judge these things is to look at the plan. 
say what was Hubert Davis's or the UNC staff's plan entering this cycle um, from the transfer portal. Last year, it was they need some help uh, beside Baycott, someone who can, you know, play with him and also back him up at the five. I think they hit a, you know, I don't call it a home run, but they they met uh, their objective uh, with the plan last year. Same thing the year before. It was they need stretch bigs. Stretch bigs is, is the new position. And uh, they, they signed Justin McCoy. That didn't quite work out. They, they signed Brady Manick. Obviously, that was a home run. At the time, Dustin Garcia was a home run as well. So I think their plan has been sound each year entering the portal. It's just like recruiting. You're never going to bat, you know, you know, above 500, really. Um, but the plan has been sound. And I think that's what you're going to see this year is just judge the plan. And right now, the plan is to go out and get, you know, starter quality players uh, who want to come in and play with Armando Baycott and potentially, you know, other guys returning from the backcourt. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's fascinating, um, and, and there's a lot of questions about playing the bench and, and doing this and that and all, and, and you know, that's going to be a thing. They've got to get some depth. Greg, when you look at that, I know you've been huge on this uh, as far as the messaging and the process that Hubert's gone through, and maybe we're seeing some of that fruit or bad fruit with guys leaving, but how much of an evolution process have you seen or, or – would you expect to see or do you hope to see here when you go through this? It's like when coaches go through a rough patch, they change or they realize they've got to do something different. Do you see that or foresee that? Or are we still too early sort of in the Hubert Davis era, realm, whatever you want to call it? Uh, I think we're at the point where we're starting to see a little bit of an adjustment, which was necessary. Um, you, Tommy, you highlighted it on – I think on the beat a week or two ago, uh, but Hubert has started making some comments about maybe he didn't handle things as well as he could have. And that's really the first we've heard of that. That's growth. That's progress. That's part of the deal. Um, and the same kind of goes here. You having those tough conversations um, because really we didn't see it last year. And last year is a kind of a unique thing where, you know, they were an eight seed, so they didn't really have a great year. And then they got hot at the right time. 
And I'm sure as a first year head coach, you're thinking, well, maybe it just all clicked and we don't have like major issues that we have to address. Um, and you know, that's a, that's a whole different conversation, but yeah, I think the fact that he, he's really kind of jumped into it and he's had these hard conversations and we're seeing some roster of movement. I don't think how you can you know, address that as anything other than, than growth and progress. And that's, that's part of the, that's part of it. And we, we've talked about how you're going to have to get into year three, year four, maybe in year five to have a really good handle of what Hubert Davis as a head coach is. Cause he's never been a head coach before. He's two years in now, not even two years in. It'll be two years in in what, 10 days. Uh, and so it is, it's just a part of the process. Um, I, I do think, you know, when we talk about the bench component, um, you can, and th- this is me speaking from my perspective. And I like to know both of your guys, you know, both of you, your perspectives on this. Um, but I, I really think, as you navigate the NIL and the transfer portal era, there has to be a balance. Uh, it's good. Like, I mean, North Carolina, I think it's done a pretty good job the last two years. When you have specific needs, you go in the portal and you make your team better. But if you're going in the portal to get four guys or maybe five guys, that's probably a little much. There, there has to be some development. And we've talked about it before, but if you go back to, you know, Duke, uh, seven, eight years ago, they really got into a situation of all their experienced talent, guys who came up through the program, had kind of aged out. And so all you saw was this vicious cycle of all these one-and-done guys. And you really didn't have any older guys to help them along. And it was a problem. You know, Quinn Cook, uh, without him, they probably don't win the title, and they really haven't done anything since. And so it's a little bit different now, but it's still kind of the same idea. If you keep going back to the well that is the transfer portal and you're bringing in guys for one year, well, you're not really developing that talent because you don't have to. So I think there has to be a good mix where you you need to be able to develop high school recruits to balance things out, but also understand we're going to use the portal to make us better for the upcoming year. I, I think your point about that, and that's that's the two-edged sword, right? It is is I don't have to develop them because I can go get them. Well, then what happens if you don't get them? You have a bad year, and you might be on your couch somewhere. Um, and Bull Hill asked in the chat, do guys stick around, around long enough to be developed? I mean, that's another part of it. Sherelle, your take on that aspect of it, and then I kind of want to circle back to Baycott. Um, and also, there's a lot of questions about reclassifications in the chat. Um, I would point them to the premium message boards. But, Sherelle, your take on development versus portal. Well, I think if you look at this situation in isolation, what it shows is that last year after the run, or I guess we have to say two years ago now, or the end of the season before last, after the run, they all decided to run it back. And I think the expectation was that this year, was going to be the rebuild where they were going to have to go heavy into the portal um, and they were going to have to sign a big high school class to fill all the spots of, of all the guys that we anticipated them losing after the final four run. So really everything just got delayed in a sense. So this is kind of Hubert Davis's first off season where he has full, I would, I don't want to say autonomy, but full control of what the roster will look like because Last year, no one was going to say, oh, no, you can't have all these guys back after they just 
you know, went down to the wire in the national championship game and, and had the run that they had. So there was not a chance to do this last year because everybody wanted to run it back. And rightfully so, as we said before, I think you take that all day. So now we're seeing kind of the, the restart or, or rebuild or remodel, whatever phrase you want to use of Carolina basketball in the way that Hubert Davis sees it. Um, so I think that should be considered when you talk about the attrition. Maybe it won't be four or five every year. It'll be more like two or three. And so if it's two or three, then you have, you know, seven or eight guys coming back and maybe a two-man recruiting class and you don't have to look for one or two guys in the portal. So I think this year is slightly abnormal just because it's the first real offseason where the entire team isn't coming back uh, absent uh, Kerwin Walton. So, you know, I, I don't think it'll be five or six guys every single year because that's, to Greg's point, that's not sustainable. I think it'll be closer to two or three um, and then you have the high school guys who can build. Um, but you have to keep them happy. You do have to play them because uh, if you don't, they will leave, as we've seen. Yeah, guys will leave. And nobody can be uh, blamed for leaving. They've got an, a finite time that they can play college basketball or ba play basketball, and you don't want to spend it sitting on the bench. Let's circle back to Baycott. And, and you're listening to a live reaction, Armando Baycott, returning for another season at North Carolina, just, you know, stacking records on records from North Carolina. Um, Sherelle, well, no, I'll give Sherelle a break since he just talked. Greg, I'll come to you. Baycott's got to improve when he comes back. Uh, I mean, I said it a lot this past season that I didn't see a lot of guys get a whole lot better than the year before. Um, and quite frankly, Baycott might be one of those or is one of those. Um, how can he get better and improve to help this team more? Without question, he's a dominant rebounder when he's healthy. Um, without question, he can score post up, post it up and all. But that's not um, really the way anymore. What do you think about Baycott's improvement and what he needs to do personally uh, to, to be good next year on this team, regardless of who's around him? Yeah, well, we've talked for years about Baycott needing to establish an outside shot, and that's primarily been for his, his pro hopes, right? Uh, even if it's not in the NBA, maybe you're overseas. But I think being able to knock down just a, a free throw jumper consistently would go a long way in terms of helping to, to open up the offense a little bit. Um, I think the key thing for Armando is he's got he's to be healthy. You know, he's really banged up uh, for the second half of this past season. We all know what happened in this tournament. And he's, he's had kind of random injuries throughout his, his career. So he needs he needs to be able to stay healthy, I think, First and foremost, that really helps. Um, but then, you know, I, I think early in the year, he was doing a better job of kind of passing out of double teams. Um, and then kind of, I don't know if the injuries played a role or what it was, but later in the season, he started having some issues with it. And I know, I guess it was against Virginia when Hubert was talking about, you know, not only is he getting double teams, but he's not even getting the ball uh, close to the basket. You know, he's, he's three steps out from the block. Uh, that's that's not very productive for the offense or for Armando. He's got to be able to establish position on the block. When he does that, he demands attention from the opponent. And at that point, as soon as the ball goes into him, if he's not making a quick move or he's got people collapsing on him, he's got to get rid of the ball quickly. And I think him just doing those couple of things uh, quicker and having you know, much more of an instinctual reaction, 
that'll go a long way in improving the offense. But just too many times we saw him kind of get bogged down. Uh, and, you know, if you're double teamed and you're not able to kind of get rid of it, and if you do get rid of it, you're not throwing a crisp pass and it kind of delays the offense and having to reset. Uh, those are those are problems, and we saw a lot of that in the in the half court. So those are just some very basic things I think that would help uh, the team get better by Armando getting better in those categories. Yeah, Tony Dowd in the chat mentioned DJ Burns. I love that dude's game. Uh, give me some of that all day if Baycott learned those moves and those post moves and that bully ball. Sherelle, your take there. Uh, I mean, Baycott's talent's obvious, um, but his limitations are obvious. I'm surprised he hasn't changed the form of his jump shot or his set shot over the past three years, but that's another question for somebody smarter than I am. Uh, but your take on what he needs to do going into next year. I'm going to read you something, Tommy. This is from November 12, 2022. If uh, those who remember, that's the cause of Charleston game. This is Armando Baycott. He said, quote, I've got to remember like Coach told me the other day. I'm not a CEO. I'm a high-end janitor. I mean, it's the truth. I'm not the most talented guy. I've got to go out there and fight, and that's what I've got to hang my hat on. So that's what I need to go do, be a janitor. So I would tell Armando Baycott to remember those words and just consistently be a janitor. Uh, because I think at times after he got banged up, in addition to buying some really strong ankle supports, um, <laughs> there were times this season why I don't think he played with that mentality. Now, the reasons for that, there, there could be a ton of them. He could be tired. He could be hurt. Um, it could be the way they're defending them. And, and that gets old after a while when you have four guys just around you at all times. But I, I would just remind him that that is who you are. I think that game he had maybe one or two points in the first half, a couple of rebounds, and he finished with like 27 and 14 or something. Um, so just kind of bottle that. You, you're you the high-end janitor. That's what you said you were. That's what Hubert Davis has told you you were. So remember that and try to play that way um, because North Carolina can be at its best when he does that. We got Ted Lasso saying be a goldfish. And we got Hubert <laughs> Davis saying be a janitor. I love it. It's, uh, it's you know what I'm going to say, be a junkyard dog out there. I mean, when I've watched the NCAA tournament and watched those teams, they've got them. They're loaded with them. We, we mentioned transfer people. Kansas State playing five transfers. Jim Laranaga down at Miami loading up on transfers. Uh, Steve Forbes at Wake Forest. So Hubert Davis has got some mining to do, but he gets – Armando Baycott, a pillar of the offense. He needs some shooters around him because we've seen that when he has those shooters, Sherelle, he's got space to work. Um, when he doesn't have shooters, man, it's like cement blocks down there in the paint. Closing words for you before we get out of here. Sherelle. I would just say it's a, it's a good day for North Carolina, and I know the fan base for you know just hasn't felt that way really – Gosh, when's the last time the fan base felt good? Uh, maybe the home win against Virginia in February. Uh, so it's been quite some time. But this is this is good news, and this is um, the equivalent of a you know a top ten, five star, essentially one and done recruit if you think about it, because it's got one year left. Um, so this is a huge get for UNC, even if it was expected. Um, this changes. Uh, I had a friend of mine who was playing with the our Bartovic kind of uh, win predictions. And Baycott alone with the current roster switched UNC from uh, the number 53 team to the number 32 team. So one player in whatever metric formula that Bartovic uses uh, changed Carolina by 31 spots. So, I mean, this is a huge, huge deal uh, for UNC. And like we said, I think it'll he'll help UNC attract really good players. 
indeed. And he works the social media doing just that. Greg, anything left? Are we going to let it hang with Sherelle? Yeah, I've got something. And this this is probably a, a bigger podcast later on. Um, but just hearing some of the comments this past week from um, uh, what's the coach at K-State? Tang? Yeah. Jerome, um, Jerome Tang. Jerome Tang. Um, but he made the comment about Kentucky, about you know, the program guys, the, the big-time players at Kentucky were, were not coming back. And that's just a matter of having more dogs. Um, you know, when I wrote my column last week, kind of criticizing the decision not to play in the NIT, a uh, local radio crew uh, did a segment kind of on my column, and, and they disagreed. And one of the reasons they disagreed is they said with, with the transfer portal and NIL, um, the, the program concept was going away and that each year was new for every team. And so there was no difference between NC State and North Carolina anymore. Well, I, I disagree with that. Um, I think there's, there's a long history of what Carolina basketball is about, the Carolina family, um, and that's something worth, worth fighting for. The challenge for Hubert Davis is that Roy Williams didn't want anything to do with handlers and agents uh, and NIL in the transfer portal. And he tabbed Hubert Davis as the guy to lead this program into this new era. And that's a tough task because Hubert's having to learn on the fly and it's very difficult. But the challenge really in terms of the Carolina program and the Carolina family is how do you blend those two things? And I don't, I don't know the answer to it whatsoever, but Hubert's got to be able to figure out that, hey, we're going to have these guys coming in for maybe one year at a time as transfers. And we're going to have freshmen coming in who, once we get them on campus, we realize, hey, that's not the fit we thought they were, so we need to help them move on. Well, that's not the traditional way of how North Carolina has done it. But North Carolina didn't have to do it that way. This, this is a new time. So how does he marry kind of the idea and the core beliefs of that Carolina program with the modern era. And I think that is a very uh, tough task. Um, you know, uh, he's going to need a lot of help with that. Uh, I think a lot of coaches have kind of struggled trying to determine how to do that. Um, as I said, I don't certainly don't have the answer, but I think as we get further along, we start hearing some of these comments about, Hey, programs don't matter anymore. It's a one-year deal. Cause you can stock up with five transfers and you can be really good very quickly. Uh, and it's just a, a changing world. And how Hubert's able to connect the past with the future may be his toughest challenge moving forward. And that's very important for the fan base. I know it's very important for Hubert as well. I love Tang's comment about the name on the jersey, on the front of the jersey doesn't mean as much anymore um, it, because the past don't matter, something to that effect. Yep. And I agree. You got to you got to get up and play. And North Carolina saw that it's not just rolling the ball out this year, in which I think they assumed it would be. Uh, that's been this podcast live reaction. A lot of folks are asking in the chat. Uh, there's a Ian Jackson update from Sherelle on the premium message board right now on the Inside Carolina Premium message board. If you're not a member, you got to get a member to get that information. Um, all that reclass stuff, all the recruiting class. I see the tweet folks are referencing. Uh, go check out the premium boards. Check out Coast to Coast podcast with Joey, Sherelle, and Sean Moran. Greg Barnes and I will be back next week. Greg, I got a next level idea for you. We'll talk about it later. Uh, but that'll be it. 
Johnny T-shirt and JohnnyT-shirt.com, and if certainly um, support us, support them, take care of them. They got all your needs. It's been the Inside Carolina live reaction. Armando Baycott returning yet again for North Carolina in 23-24. Until we do the next one of these, folks, we'll see you soon.